Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. If you care a lot about what you eat, you're going to learn a ton during this episode. My guest is a passionate person in general, and since giving birth recently to her first child, she has become extra passionate about pre- and postnatal nutrition. She's the founder of a company called 25-8 that aims to empower every woman to intuitively trust what her body guides her to eat before, during, and after pregnancy. She works to change the way we view eating for two with regards to quality, not quantity. And every time I talk to her, I learn new things about the way food is produced and packaged and how the differences affect our minds and bodies. Erica Mock, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dr. B. Pleasure to be here. Finally. I know. I've been learning from you for so long and wanting <laughs> to share you with the people, but you're a busy gal. I mean, you had two two babies this year. I did. First, you had the human baby, and somewhere around nine centimeters, you gave birth to a company. <laughs> Probably exactly at the same time, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about food and you. Where does your relationship about thinking about food, where does it date back to you? That's a great question. I think probably I was actually in college, so I was about 22, and I started looking into food for my animals before myself, actually. What kind of animals? Uh, this was actually for a dog. Her name was Ella. She's no longer with us mm -hmm. now, but she had a mammary tumor, and it was pretty daunting. And Was that essentially breast cancer for dogs? Yeah. Okay. And I basically, um, you know, she was on just a traditional dog food, and I took her off of all the food that she was eating. I made a completely raw diet with, like, all these organ meats, and, like, I handmade this stuff. It was kind of gross, but... Yeah. Um, and then I used complementary medicine, and probably about four or five months later, we took her back for an ultrasound, and the tumor dissolved. Wow. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, the power of food was shown to me through my animals. Food is medicine. Yeah. And then I, you know, I kind of just started turning the, you know, the microscope in on myself and seeing, you know, if this can help my dog this much, then what could it do for me? But you're always pretty active. Yeah, yeah. Lifestyle-wise, yeah. Lifestyle-wise. Sure. And did you always gravitate towards healthier foods or um ish healthy it's kind of hard to explain it like as healthy in college I would say I was super active you know exercised a lot and I just eat like the things you thought you were supposed to eat when you're healthy like chicken and vegetables and yogurt and like nothing right, so it's healthier than let's say donuts and pizza and for sure yeah for sure but ultimately you kind of went deeper in your exploration for what is healthy. And that's what I yes. want to do here today. Yeah. So take us on that journey. So what does that mean? Because I would think, like you said, chicken and all the veggies you just yeah. mentioned sound healthy. But oh, of course. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, it is. But I think the, the discovery that I had was through my mentor and my closest friend still to this day, Aaliyah Wick. She's a uh, Chinese medicine practitioner. And she taught me about the relationship between us and food and the energetic qualities of food in complementary medicine, like meaning with eating with the seasons. So, for example, we are... You don't mean salt, pepper, and garlic? No, not seasonings. Oh, right. <laughs> right, seasons. <laughs> so, like, we're entering into spring very soon. The equinox is, like, next week, I think. Sure. Um, so, I'm already breaking into, like, things like the nettles. Um, the flavor of the spring is sour. And the organs are the liver and gallbladder. So I... Oh, different seasons have different yeah. flavors and, and organs? And colors. And, and colors? everything. Well, colors that you see, colors that you're supposed to eat? Both. So yeah. what do you see a lot in spring? Uh, chicken? Spring chicken. Well, I guess not 
in California. Green, like things are supposed to be green again. Oh, you right? mean outdoors? After I never go outdoors. So <laughs> okay. I wouldn't know. I see my walls. <laughs> you see walls. <laughs> they seem the same color. Yeah, no, they're different in the spring. Um, but yeah. I mean, in spring, everything springs, so you see a lot of greens. Exactly. So it's like the winter is kind of a, an introspection, a time for introspection and really going inside. And if you think about winter weather in most places, you you cozy up indoors in front of the fireplace. You eat warm things like soups and broths and, you know, that, that's all a culminating thing, right? Have you been to Australia? I haven't. It's different. Yeah. They got it backwards. Opposite. So if you're down under, just picture summer. <laughs> But back to the rest of us. <laughs> so clearly, clearly I have a lot to learn still. No, I'm not trying to school you. I'm just trying to tell people. It's different. Down under, it's backwards. Yeah. But they know they're, you know, relatively backwards. Because the toilet flushes the other way, right? Does it? I don't know. Family trip, Dan. <laughs> we need to go to Australia. He's busy with Yes. We're going to go to Australia, all of us, both families. <laughs> okay. Back to us. Yes. So what were you saying? Uh, in winter, introspective. Right. So what does that mean food-wise? I mean, it makes sense that everything kind of goes inside and, you know, almost like the turtle on its shell, all the leaves come off. And Yeah, yeah. You shed your leaves in the fall and in the winter, the tree's still alive. The water's still running up and down in the tree. Like, it's still living and breathing, but it looks kind of dead, right, from the mm-hmm. outside. But it's doing all its work on the inside. So spring is the first time where we actually, like, come back out again. So that's why a lot of times during the winter, we avoid strenuous exercise and, you know, eating foods that have a lot of raw, like raw foods are said to kind of kill or die down the digestive fire. We need to stoke that fire in the winter. And as we move into summer, you can move into more raw foods because everything else is warming up. So the inside isn't as important to kind of regulate with your food. So I said in the opening, uh, trusting your instincts on what you eat. Right. This sounds like it would be instinctual eating. Yeah. If we didn't live in this modern society where you have everything all the time. Exactly. Yes. And are you saying there's an overall health benefit to eating that way even though we don't have to anymore? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, everything synchronizes to the earth, right? Like as much as far removed as we are in modern culture – we still are very much connected to like the magnetism of like the moon and different, you know, energetic things. They're kind of unexplainable. So to me, food is really like such an easy connection to have. Like you don't have to go hippy dippy and go get a grounding mat and like, you know, do the full moon rituals. You can and that's amazing. But if you aren't that type of person, you can still connect to the earth by eating in this way and by syncing up your internal rhythms with the rhythms of the earth and you know, there's numerable health benefits to that. But we, our instincts aren't there anymore. So yeah. where do, like now we have to, our learnable intelligence has been sort of brainwashed, right? Because right? every place you go, there's a billboard, something pops on your phone, there's a commercial, there's somebody singing a jingle, or you just walk by and you smell like the KFC. I don't know what. <laughs> They're probably not going to be a sponsor anyway. So yeah. whatever it is. Um but I'm saying it smells amazing, right? Yeah. And then all these messages are coming in saying, eat this, eat this, eat this. And they're all paid for, you know, there's also commercial benefit in every single one of those. Yeah. So now we have to, because they've drawn us away from our instincts, mm-hmm. we have to kind of re-educate that part of our brain to say, you know, this is what instinctually you would have been craving right? if you were in touch with your instincts and try to get that connection going again. Mm-hmm. But where do you do that? How do you do that? How does somebody like me do that? How would you do that? Um, 
Because what you're saying makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I guess this is part of how you do it. You just talk to Erica, but you're not always going to yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah, listen to this podcast. That's what you do. Every day. Yeah, every day. <laughs> Share it with your friends <laughs> at Dr. Berlin on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's at Dr. Berlin on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, back to you. So I would say there's Doctor a... spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R. On Twitter or Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Just FYI. Okay. <laughs> I never self-promote, but I just thought. <laughs> I think it's important. <laughs> Um, I would definitely say there are a lot of good books. There's a book, uh, I still have Breastfeeding Brain, even though I have a 14-month-old, Between Heaven and Earth. Between Heaven and Earth? Yeah. You're going to have to look up the author because I'm a very bad Who doesn't dropper. know the author of that? I don't know. It really doesn't make sense to me, but it's an amazing book. And it decodes a lot of this stuff and puts it kind of into like very digestible bits. That's a funny way to put it. Yeah. Literally digestible. Literally digestible myths. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I mean, because it's hard sometimes to take it all at once. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's a lot of information. And like you said, it's so completely opposite from whatever what we're used to now that um, it takes some rewiring. And I think, you know, if you just kind of start doing it and start following this method and, you know, trusting yourself. And, of course, all of our foods that we produce are always going to be aligned with the seasons, even with herbs. Um, we have, that's it? Yeah. Who is it? It's it's Harriet Beanfeld. There you go. And one more. Let's Incredible see. book right there. Ephraim Korngold. It's uh, Between Heaven and Earth, A Guide to Chinese Medicine. Mm-hmm. In there she talks about how, um, such, it's just so amazing the information that she brings because I believe like her family is, you know, doctors and one of them is a surgeon, so very medical. And then her, she was in a line to go to become a doctor herself. And she just took this like way left turn and started learning about Chinese medicine. So she brings both to the table and mm. she's able to like not, you know, put down one or the other, but to show how different they are and where their strengths and weaknesses lie. And also just, I mean, it's just an incredible guide. And I'm. You did it again. You said she brings it to the table, to but the table. literally she's bringing it to the table. <laughs> You know, in bite-sized, digestible like, pieces. Everything in my life is food. I know. Everything. Welcome to my world. <laughs> right. Yours is just more sustainable, healthy, and nutritious. Um, and just as a side point, you came to our house one time and made this meal that it looked good. Mm-hmm. It smelled good. And it tasted good. And then what happened afterwards is sort of profound because it's I would normally, like, eat that before I ate lunch, some of that food. Before you ate lunch? Yeah. Some of those different dishes that you made, uh-huh. they look, in my view, light, I would oh, say. Oh, I see. Yes. I would be like, oh, let's eat that while lunch, you know, like while dinner's <laughs> cooking. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> um, I mean, some of it was not like that. It was heavier. Um, but anyway, even after I ate those foods, they, they tasted so good. And I felt so energetic afterwards, but like light like i can get up and breathe and stuff and have to like hold my belly in my hand you know <laughs> yeah. but i still I had energy like even though i felt like i ate lighter mm-hmm. which in my mind used to be a bad thing like i want to eat big strong heavy everything mm-hmm. i felt more energized afterwards mm-hmm. that was like a, a light bulb moment for me was it yeah especially because it tastes so good yeah yeah i mean you can get creative with the flavors and stuff i think um i think it's just not eating to to be full you know, it's a very different way of eating. And again, that's like an intuitive eating thing. So if I sit with a plate in front of me, like 
the digestion starts when you first start like you look at your food and you're thinking about your food and in Indian cultures when you touch your food because you eat it with your hands mm. and then it goes into your mouth and you chew and then it becomes a part of you and you digest so it's much less you know just fuel to kind of get up and do the next thing it's it's pausing with that food and taking a moment um, and really like thinking about what you're eating and what you're putting into your body that will be used as fuel later but I could totally see how you'd think that that was it was vegan too right it was also vegan we're having uh vegan guests yeah and uh right so i know that you don't always uh cook vegan but but that's what it was right so i was looking Mm -hmm. at that food and i was like there's like no big chunks of meat on your plate no and also i was looking at the vegans (laughs) and they're like they're sturdy people (laughs) they're strong and healthy i'm like you're gonna eat this and and but you eat it and it's like wow there's a lot of energy in there yeah yeah personally um i love vegan food i just think it's fascinating what can be done with different things and like a cashew cheese like Mm. I never in my life thought that I would enjoy cashew cheese and I love it but I also find that me myself that I thrive on um, animal like gamier meats like bison and venison and um, some of that they say has to do with your blood type too Mm -hmm. eating for your blood type Um, but I do find that I am strongest and the most vital when I do incorporate some meat into my diet but for the most part, we eat mostly vegetables. <laughs> I do the opposite. I eat cashews made out of cheese. <laughs> Where do you find those? Yeah, it's cheese cashew. Cheese. Oh, is that a new brand? No, but oh. it's sort of confusing for the brain. <laughs> My little joke. <laughs> Cashew cheese and cheese cashews. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to say I eat those faux veggie dogs. They're made out of beef. Oh, God. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> Took me a second. I know. I got you. <laughs> uh, so how does I mean? Do you just keep researching more, studying more after college, and after you see how it helps your doggy? Yeah. Do you just keep studying food more and more? I mean, it's a passion of yours. Oh yeah, it's a total. Uh, it's a it's a complete lifestyle. I mean, it's turned into something that is so profound that I never thought I'd be here personally when I first started this journey. To me. Actually, my boyfriend in college, when I was starting this, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy organic meat, right? That was my first decision. I'm just going to buy organic meat. And he laughed at me. He's like, what are you – what is that? Like you're going to buy the rest of the stuff that's not good for you, but you're going to buy one thing that's good for you. But to me, that was the one small change that on a college budget and like with this whole – all these changes ahead of me, that small change was something that I could do in that moment. And then from there, I kind of, you know, brought in that with my food and then started buying organic and local. And then I looked at my chemicals that I use to clean my house. And I'm like, well, I could probably clean that up a bit, too. So I started kind of getting more sustainable options there and then moving to, like, body products. So it wasn't like one day I just threw away all my stuff and started over. That's really overwhelming. And and I don't think that people – I wouldn't have learned very much that way. But – Every time I would reach a point in my life where I came up with a maybe like an illness or something that affected me like um, a conception, mm-hmm. it's a big one. So like for a lot of women, and I'm speaking for myself too, we're young and we're healthy and we don't have these huge – a lot of us don't have these huge life-altering diseases very early in our life, right? So the first time we really kind of realize like – maybe something's not right is when we're having difficulty conceiving, mm-hmm. right? And and that plagues a lot of women. And that was kind of one thing that like kind of woke me up and not that it was difficult per se to get pregnant, but just like realizing like, yeah, I was healthy. And then 
I could take it up a whole nother level and do like a preconception care package with um, Alex, my midwife. She does them and look at like, okay, what are you eating? What is your blood work like? What is your lifestyle like? How's your emotional and mental space, your body? Those are like all of my least comfortable questions to be asked. (laughs) Are they? Yeah. Why is that? You should dig deep. Because uh, I like to ignore. I'm a guy. Like, yeah. um, I, even in my office, I find it. I'm generalizing, but it's true. Yeah. As a generalization, uh, we ask a question like, how long have you been having these symptoms, right? Right. And men will, you know, women sometimes will be like, uh, it just started this morning, so I called right away to take care of it, you know, <laughs> or yesterday or a week ago. Yeah. Men will be like, a, they'll come in coughing up blood. They'll be like, I've had it for 13 years. I thought it would go away. <laughs> This is how we are. I don't know why. We're yeah. just programmed to not really take care of ourselves, plow through it, ignore it. It'll go away. Yeah. Women Doesn't. are more like, I don't know. It's a generalization, but that's how I see it at the office. Well, you see a lot of people, so I'm sure that you you get a good understanding of that. Sure. Exceptions to every rule. Yeah. But that's, I don't know. Yeah, when people ask those questions, I get uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't want to know the answer to any of those things. Because <laughs> then I, maybe because then I have to do something about it. Yeah, you <laughs> Right. But then I see the people like you who do something about it and you're just living life on a different level, just healthy, energetic, exuberant and getting stuff done. Yeah, but it didn't start like that. Like, that's the thing. It's just one little one little decision at a time. One one decision can change the whole course of your life. I remember when my wife wanted to start eating organic, even just produce, forget uh about the meat and stuff. And I just, it reminded me of what Louis Anderson said. He went into a Whole Foods and uh, he's like, all right, how much are the organic bananas? And they're like three ninety nine a pound. And it's like, how much are the regular ones? And I'm like, they're free. You just take them, nobody wants them. <laughs> he's like, all right, I'll take a bunch of free bananas and some of those organic stickers. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's how I was at the beginning. I'm like, they look the same, huh? What, this one's like an extra whatever per pound. I know. It's But it's it there's a reason for it. And in, in yes. our second half when we come back, I want to talk about all those different classifications of food. Like what mm. why do we buy organic either meats or chickens or produce and what's the difference between uh all the different labels they stick on them, cage free, free range, grass fed, oh, yeah. things like that. Um but I think what you're saying is is it's true. Like if you don't have to throw everything out, but when you run out of soap, when you run out of deodorant, when you run out of cleaning products, when you run out of shampoo, when you run out of laundry detergent, just you know, think about what it is that's in there before you get your next replenishment. Yeah. Try something else. Yeah. Totally. Or just just like yeah, look at the ingredients yeah. and just, you know, if you can't pronounce it, Google it. <laughs> And see what that ingredient is. Yep. And it's kind of interesting how sometimes you can just use something simple in the house, like vinegar, all the things yep. you do with vinegar. Totally. And it's like, oh, yeah. In that case, I can not have all those chemicals in my life. And vinegar's cheap. Vinegar is super cheap. Yeah. Yeah, you save a lot of money on cleaning products yeah. using vinegar. <laughs> you know, I, uh, in doing my research on cesarean birth, I do this presentation for doulas, midwives, doctors, on the history of the cesarean birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways cesarean started to become more safe when we would survive them mm-hmm. uh, is after the invention of uh, antiseptics by mm-hmm. Joseph Lister of Listerine fam. And I found out that Listerine started off as a floor cleaner. What? And it made me feel so good about it because my kids <gasps> spill so much of that crap on the floor. <laughs> I'm like multi-purpose. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, uh, a floor cleaner. That's what I read. What? Google it. I'm going to have to. Hey, Siri. <laughs> 
All right, this is going fast. So when we come back in just a minute, we're going to talk um, much more specifically about, you know, different types of food categories, labels, and find out how we can practically bring some of your magic into our home. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Erica Mock. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell. Perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Erica Mock. All right, break some of this stuff down for me. Like when you go shopping for food, what are we looking for? Where are you shopping? But why don't we start with that? Where's a mm. great place to shop? Uh, farmers markets. Why farmers markets? Uh, because uh, someone told me this statistic the other day, and you're gonna have to fact check me, but they said something like four to seven cents of every dollar spent in like a grocery store is kept in the community, where like ninety four to ninety seven cents of that dollar is kept in the community when you shop at a farmers market versus like, you know. I don't want to name drop, but like a Whole Foods or like a, you know, whatever. AKA Amazon. Uh, Ralph or okay. Amazon. Yeah, right? I have a close personal relationship with Ralph. Do you? No, but at the farmer's market. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's the thing. You get to know, like, and it's not just like, you know, buying your food locally. And then, of course, it's, you know, more sustainable. And, you know, it has to travel less miles to get to where you are, right? So, so it's not exhausted. It's not tired. No, right. it's not. But it's also more but vital. You are, you're talking about, you're looking, when you walk around there, you're looking at farmers who either raise livestock or grow right. fruits and vegetables or grains. Yep. And they know intimately the food that, that you're, it's, it's the source. Yeah. They're they the ones who grew it. Source. Yeah. It's not even Ralph. It's not even the grocer. It's right. the farmer. Yeah, exactly. And you have to think about the amount of time the from the point that the vegetable's picked. Let's just talk about a vegetable. And it was like picked right? It starts dying then mm-hmm. slowly, right? So those vegetables that were picked at the farmer's market were picked like the day or two before and they're right there. Or sometimes it could be like weeks later where they're kept, they're preserved, right? With a proper temperature and humidity and other things that, you know, the grocery store makes sure happens. For longevity. For longevity. But they're, they're dying. They're like closer they're to, down. yeah. So like that's another thing. And Honestly, then you get into like organic and not organic. It's very expensive to get the organic certification. And honestly, if you know the farm and you know the farmer and you trust them or you visited their farm and they don't use X, Y, and Z chemical that are still allowed to be used under the organic certification, but they don't use it, I would probably go with them over Mm -hmm. a certified organic farmer. That's one thing that's kind of amazing about you. You know your food. You know where it's coming from, your sources for yourself and for your company. Right. 
I uh, always tell people because I rave about your stuff. And and they're like, what do you mean beyond organic? Which I'm going to ask you what that means yeah. to you. But I'm like, this in my mind, the sourcing, how you know where every, everything was planted and nurtured and grown and cut and harvested and brought every step of the way, you know it. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to like, uh, you know, chicken and beef and fish, mm-hmm. uh, and if Erica's eating chicken, she probably knew its name. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so farmer's markets, they make sense. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> When you're looking at different categorizations of food, mm-hmm. right, the word organic, does that mean anything? What does it mean? Is that the word I'm supposed to be looking for? Yeah, and that's like, so glad you brought that up because that is a very common question and an important one. And one that I think is kind of getting a little greenwashed, which is crazy, right? Because organic was organic is the way things are just supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's not like something extra or special. It's just the way that it's supposed to be naturally without as much human interference with whether it's chemicals or whatever. So now, you know, some of the legislation is kind of changing and, you know, companies are realizing they can make a lot more money on organic. So, again, this is knowing where your food comes from and knowing the farmers and knowing what really is like a priority, if that makes sense. Like for you as a consumer if you go to the farmer's market and you have a conversation with them and you ask them, you know, if they use chemicals when they cultivate or like to for, you know, pest control or, you know, you talk to them and they'll be honest and upfront with you about what they're using, what they're not. I think that's more important than the organic certification. So if you're already at the farmer's market, you know the farmer, you know the location it's coming from, you know that the farmer cares about, you know, whatever they say, right, and that they're ethical, then I would choose that over going to Whole Foods and picking something that had an organic stamp on it that came from Mexico or Brazil or do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's funny that you said like organic should just be the standard yeah. and then everything else should be labeled like non-organic or right. something like that. Mitch, Mitch yeah. Hedberg. Do you know Mitch Hedberg? Comedian. Um, he used to say that like corn on the cob is a funny term to him because he's like that's just corn yeah, that's <laughs> that should be corn. called corn and like niblet should be called corn that was chopped off the cob yeah, <laughs> that's so true uh, so, yeah um what do you mean when you say beyond organic beyond organic so i when i say that i'm usually talking about meat okay animal products okay so that everything we just talked about was plant-based but when you come to animal products yeah yeah it's a different ball game because me having the history i mean i have horses and i've cared for cattle before and i've had chickens and so like coming from that background and knowing the nutritional needs of animals i see it in a much different light where you know we were talking the other day and you said oh so and so carries you know organic kosher beef and then i told you well you know that doesn't necessarily mean that they were fed what they were designed to eat. But it's more expensive. It is more expensive oh, because okay. they're feeding organic grain. That's not a good enough sign. Right? No. It's not <laughs> always indicative of the best choice. So organic means that they're eating non... Yeah. They have... They're eating... Well, it depends on the farm, obviously. But typically, if you're just buying organic, it means that they're eating like an organic grain or an organic... They can even be fed organic corn or, you know, whatever they're eating Mm -hmm. is organic and non-GMO. Okay. So when I say beyond organic, that means, so a cow is a ruminant, right? So they have multiple stomachs. Mm -hmm. So they're meant to ferment their food, right? So they eat it, it goes down into one stomach, Yep. hangs out in the fermenting tank, Yep. comes back up to another stomach, Yep. and then that keeps happening. Yeah. 
So basically, you know, they're not really designed to eat things like grain or corn. Oh. They were designed to eat grass. Right. Same with horses. So a lot of horse and that's different because we don't eat those, of course, or I certainly don't. But, you know, same type of thing that you run into with horses and all these different diseases that come up from the you know introduction of grain. So with the cow, what I look for is, OK, I'm talking to the farmer. If they have a short supply during winter, I know that they're being pretty genuine and honest. Right. There's a season for beef because there's less grass. Yeah, there's less grass. There's like less uh, moving around. They move them back in for the winter season. Like they, mm-hmm. they bring the cattle in, right? And they don't harvest during that time because it's just that time of year, right? It's like it's the, t- the same time of year when we all kind of go inside and we all start eating different foods. Like the same thing for the animals. They're on the same rhythm. Interesting. So in the spring, you know, they'll start like the harvest, right? The roundup and they'll start harvesting and then you'll have meat all through the summer. So I'm asking them these questions like, okay, this cow, is it is it ever fed any grain? And that means, you know, if it's in like a, a sill, like the cow goes and eats grain or in like the form of a supplement, like a pasture cake, right? Mm-hmm. It's another form of grain. So that has to be a no answer. Then from there, I ask them, you know, what do they use for fly control? Because flies are a problem. A lot of farmers will take uh, like pesticides and they'll put them on the cow, like on their skin hmm. itself for fly control. So that has to be a no, right? And then from there, I'm asking, um, okay, so when they're harvested, how far do they travel from where they were living, where they spent their life on grass from beginning to end to where they actually get processed? And then when they're there at the facility, how long from when they arrived until the time that they're processed, how long do they have to kind of settle in and get, they're so stressed out, right? From the travel, from the transport. So they need to have at least 24 hours there to like chill out, zen out, you know, get all the cortisol back flowing from in their bloodstream and then they're processed. Mm. And then also during that time when they're at the facility, what are they eating? Are they eating grain? Or are they eating silage, which is cut grass from the location that they came from? Ooh. Right? That's a lot of effort. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I know like where we get our meat from. Like they know me by name because I ask these ridiculous questions all the time. So, but there's no way, like if I am going to a local health food store or supermarket, there's no way to just, without knowing the farmer, are there telltale signs to look for? Is there? Yeah. I would say um, if it's pretty safe if you can see like 100% grass fed and grass finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, the USDA recanted its definition of grass-fed. So technically, like, if they ate grass, they could be grass-fed. Well, if they had, like, just a little bit of grass and mostly corn and grain? I mean... Still grass-fed, technically? I, technically, yeah. I don't know if they're actually... I mean, again, it depends on if they're an ethical business or not. They wouldn't say that. But if you see 100% grass-fed and grass-finished, meaning it finished its life on grass, mm-hmm. I'd probably hang my hat on that. Okay. Um, luckily enough, even in the grocery stores, I do know a lot of like the Whole Foods, like Eel River, which is a great company to purchase meat from. I just recognize, you know, the different farms the because levels. I have made those phone calls to them before. <laughs> um, so this is why I said every time I sit down and I talk to you, I learn stuff. Yeah. And it makes me be a little more inquisitive, you know, when I'm going out to hunt and gather my own food. When you- <laughs> From Instacart. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, 
what made you, because you literally had a baby. I mean, I worked with you during your pregnancy. Do you remember when I first told you about this business? Yeah. And then you blew me away because you had the baby. Yeah. You told me during pregnancy that you yeah. were going to do something. Uh-huh. Then you had the baby, and then you told me in after pregnancy, you're going to do something. And then you called, and you're like, hey, can I run some menus by you? Like, we already have, like, <laughs> things rolling. We're almost ready to be sending out samples. I'm like, what? Because normally, like, to start any business, yeah. especially a food business, is so intense and so overwhelming with just even paperwork and regulations. and Yeah. And and the thought and effort that you put into your business is, goes above and beyond. And you had, like, a newborn. Yeah. But there was a passion. Like, you yeah. wanted to do this for a reason other than starting a business. What drove you? Honestly, this this whole motherhood thing has just totally rocked my world. And the respect, not that I didn't have respect for women or myself before, the amount of respect and reverence that I have for women and mothers in particular, which is why my business is geared towards us, has totally changed my perception of everything. And to me, food is such a gift of nourishment, the gift of nourishment. It's the ultimate gift that you can give someone. So after going through birth and like understanding what it really took to get here, to get where I am, I had to, there was no if, it was when. Like, how can I take all this knowledge and information I have and use this to enrich this community and to bring it just another level, another step higher. Like, that changed everything. Yeah, and I think that's the passion that really drove you to do this now. Yeah, right, totally. Instead of like, oh, let's wait a year and a half or two years until things are more stable and settled, you know, in the home front, and then, you know, launch a business. Yeah. Well, Uh, I hope Aiden, you know, he's young. He's 14 months, but... But he's also always around you. He is. I mean, he... You're managing to do both at the same time. (laughs) Koala care saved me. Koala like he's care. just in my ergo all the time. Yeah. So it's great. That's good for the chiropractor too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to see you actually. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know we're not going to have a chance on this episode, but I actually would love to maybe have you back and talk about your pregnancy and birth story because oh, it's yeah. also pretty inspiring. That would be awesome. I'd love to. What kind of foods, specifically pre and postnatal, are important at that time? different than, you know, general nutrition? I would say this kind of backs up to our intuitive eating talk earlier. Mm. Your intuition when you're pregnant, I felt more tapped into knowing what I needed then than I had in my entire life before. Just naturally, like your body was telling you? I'm sure, right? Because we are, I mean, that's just such a unique little snippet of time in in our lives. And, you know, we're gifted with this crazy power of like smell, right? And like our tastes change and like all these things change. And I, I do feel that our body drives us towards certain things like cravings, mm-hmm. right? To show us like, you know, yeah, this, you need more of this. That's a really good point. You don't normally have cravings like Not that. Not that intense. But they're famous during pregnancy. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one thing I would say for pregnancy. Like for me, my thing was salmon and I don't really eat fish. I don't really like it. When I was pregnant, I craved salmon. Like it was like I'm salivating thinking about it now. Like it was like the (laughs) the most important thing on this planet and you had to eat it. Like I felt this pull towards salmon. Wow. And I don't really know why. I mean, of course, we can go to like the micronutrients of salmon, right? And know that there's all these different things and compounds and 
whatever, right? That's not the point. The point is that my body was telling me something and I and I listened. And I hope that, you know, women feel empowered, especially during pregnancy, to tap in and listen to that feeling and let that guide their decisions that they make to for what they're eating. Mm-hmm. Not to be cliche, but isn't for a lot of people that internal drive that must have thing Hagen dazs Yeah, like pickles and ice cream. Yeah. I mean, you could look at it as like vinegar. Like pickles are fermented foods, right? So that's like a digestive tonic. So it could be kimchi, but it's just pickles because yeah. that's what we're used to. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and you know, ice cream, that's a great source of, I mean, not a great source of fat. It's just like a source of fat, right? So you could be craving ice cream and kind of just change course and supplement it with something Maybe it's still ice cream, but it's ice cream made with like law, law, local, <laughs> local raw organic dairy. Oh, I see what you did there. Law, local yeah, raw. Law. Use safe time. We should. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing that. Acronym. L O L. Choose the highest and best form of whatever it is you're craving, and eat it. Like maybe it's not Hagen Dazs, but it's just like a much higher quality. Fewer ingredients, no chemical added ice cream. Cream, yeah. Yeah, a cream, exactly. Maybe there's Wild Atlantic Ben and Jerry's. Oh. Okay. That that sounds maybe that, awful. That's a bad idea. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> it's okay. That's why they don't ask me to help with the flavors. <laughs> well, um, I, you did say postnatal too. So, like, during the first 30 days, of course, there's, um, I did a, traditional Chinese postpartum where, you know, not traditional. I didn't do it to like that extent, but I didn't eat any or drink anything cold for 30 days. Like everything was heated and mm. warm. A lot of Just porridges. Just replacing warmth that you've lost. Exactly. And restoking that digestive fire. Porridge. No mm. raw, yeah, porridge. No raw vegetables. Everything was really cooked. A lot of bone broths. Um, it was almost like eating for winter. And luckily, my birth was in winter, so I wasn't like eating broth. <laughs> You're so calculated. I did it on purpose. Yeah, totally. that. <laughs> or nature did, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, and and just kind of trying to restore all of your nutrients. And you know, for a while, actually, I would put um, liver in. Yes, liver into in with anything I could. Oh, really? Yeah, so that I couldn't taste it because I really you don't, don't like, like liver. The taste, you don't but... like liver. And you don't like fish. I'm yeah. Note to self. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. If I ever cook for Erica, <laughs> no liver, no, no fish. No liver, fish. No wild Atlantic Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> See, you're much better at this than I am. <laughs> I mean, people love your food. I love your food. Thank you. They just they get it, and the packaging is like so thoughtful. Yeah. And environmental conscious and the yeah. um food itself is all that nutrition you're talking about with with really great flavors. I mean sometimes I'm the lucky beneficiary of some samples. Yeah. And you turn me into like a superhero. Someone will be leaving <laughs> and I say check it I'm like, Hey, check this out from twenty five eight and then they'll eat it right there in front of me and just well, <laughs> That's awesome. That's the reaction I get a lot, actually. I love that face. I'm and like, then, yeah, you can have that like every day. Yeah. You it's can awesome. get that delivered to your door. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then the next time they come alive is dum-dums. I'm like, oh, sorry. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> time to order. That's okay. Uh, well, time is winding down, mm-hmm. sadly, because I can go on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, where can we find you online? Uh, my website. 258.com. It's all spelled out. T W E N T Y dash 
F-I-V-E-E-I-G-H-T dot com. So you put the dash between the 20 and the 5. Mm-hmm. I got out on my spelling bee when I was in third grade because of a hyphen like that. In the wrong place? No, that I forgot it. I was oh, spelling like 20 something and I left it out. And it's kind of funny that now there's a hyphen in my, my business name. Right. It all comes back. Those it does. formative years. I will never forget that. This you probably have had this name brewing since <laughs> yeah. then. If I ever start a company, I don't care what it is, it's gonna be called it's gonna have a hyphen. <laughs> Definitely. Let's call it something with a hyphen. Yep. Uh so twenty dash five eight dot com. Yep. And um right now in terms of your food delivery, it's mm-hmm. fairly local, although you have a kind of a growing distribution. I do. I am like so close to being able to ship. And that would be to like Arizona all the way up to the Pacific Northwest for now. Mm -hmm. So that's coming soon. I don't know how soon, probably within the next quarter or so. But right now it's LA and Orange County. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if you go through at the end of checkout, you can put your zip code in and make sure that you're in a deliverable area. Sweet. Mm hmm. Well, Erica, thanks uh, a zillion for sharing your knowledge and your passion. Mm, thank you for having with me. With me and with the audience. And like I said, we hope to have you back soon. Sounds great. At home, uh, you guys have been sending in a lot of suggestions, and we love them all. We read every single one, and we eventually get back to you, if not right away. So uh, send your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions to info at informedpregnancy.com. <laughs>